0: I was thinking of that first time I heard this passage of scripture being preached on. Ralph Walker was in St. Louis. He was with, I I forget the name of the the church in the north part of St. Louis. But anyway, I heard him give this lesson. And what was profound to me is that this particular passage of scripture should have already been understood by his disciples. And furthermore, what was profound to me as I've studied it this time around is that when he gives this, it is in light of who he is. I mean, remember in other scriptures where God refers to himself as the great I am and how in the New Testament, a lot of these passages, and particularly in the gospel of John, he reminds us of who he is. And we have the great I am passages all throughout the gospel of John. And that's what we see here. This is one of two what's from a Jewish standpoint called the Mashal. It's a Jewish word for a parable, if you will. A metaphor. One was in John chapter 10 and the other right here in John chapter 15. And he is teaching his disciples something that would throw them off a little bit. Because while the the message is very simple... The tying to the message would be very difficult for them if they were well studied in, in Jewish history. You see, when, when we look at the passage of scriptures in the Old Testament, whether it's in Isaiah, in the Psalms, in Ezekiel, uh, other of the minor prophets, God is referred to, in, in a sense, similar to this as a vine dresser, and Israel is referred to as the vine. And what you have are all these blessings that God gives to Israel, the vine, if you will. But they're withered up. Because they're unfaithful. And so, here comes Jesus. And he's right on the corner of giving his very last words to his disciples. And he's going to teach them a very simple lesson. But with this different background. You see... Just as they already knew who he was mentally and were professing it to the household of Israel. I mean, John chapter 1, right? In the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, the Word was God, and the Word became flesh and dwelt among men, verse 14. And we get this teaching that John is giving as his disciples would have gone on and told fellow Israelites who Jesus Christ is. Right? The Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world, chapter 1, verse 29. But chapter 4 and verse 29, we see him as basically the Christ. The great I am, if you will. He shows them all throughout these three years that they have known him. Of how to abide with him and in him. And if you look at John chapter 4, I want you to go to that passage here. And just read with me this text because this will lay the groundwork for what we're talking about in this quote-unquote final lesson before he goes to the cross. So in John chapter 4, here's what Jesus says to them. As they were questioning as to who he was, there was a woman that, that Jesus spoke to at the well She goes back to the village and says in verse 29, Come, see a man who told me all things that I ever did. Could this be the Christ? And Jesus then says to these people who come to see him, he said in verse 34, My food is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. And so when you fast forward to when he's ready to finish his work, He's going to give them this final lesson for them to grasp. And again, it's as if everyone should know it. And today when, when I'm preaching, as anyone who's teaching God's word or preaching God's word, a lot of times it's lessons to fellow believers who already know the truth and yet need to be right, reminded once more. This is one of those kinds of lessons. But it's not so much being reminded of this truth, but to reflect on whether or not we're fulfilling The import of this passage and that's what i want us to focus on this morning here's the final parable if you will that jesus gives before going to the cross and i want to read um and i guess it was uh wonderful that vince was reading for us out of chapters 14 and then 17 because sandwiched in this is this text which i believe is the pinnacle of this teaching that he's giving before going to the cross so, move over from John chapter 14 to John chapter 15 and read this text with me. Verse 1 Jesus, continuing his discussion with his disciples and now giving this parable, says, I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes If anyone does not abide in me, he is cast out as a branch and is withered, and they gather them and throw them into the fire, and they are burned. If you abide in me, and my words abide in you, you will ask, and whatever you de- I mean you ask what you desire, and whatever it is shall be done for you. By this, my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit, and so you will be my disciples. As the Father loved me, I also have loved you. You are my friends, if you do what is whatever I command you. No longer do I call you servants, for, his, for a servant does not know what his master is doing, but I have called you friends. For all things that I have heard from my Father, I have made known to you. You didn't choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit, and that your fruit should remain, that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give you. These things I command you, That you love one another. Think about this. Of all the things that Jesus could have been talking to his disciples about, these are basically his last words before he goes to the garden, prays, of course, having his disciples that are near to him to keep watch while he is praying. But this is basically the last of his teachings. And of all the things, what is it it that you're wanting to give to your disciples? Something that they've been taught many times already and that they were reminded of continuously on this evening. In fact, just go back a little bit. Look, Go back to chapter 13. Verse 31. So when he had gone out, Jesus said, now the Son of Man is glorified and God is glorified in him. If God is glorified in him, God will also glorify him in himself and glorify him immediately. Little children, I shall be with you a little while longer. You will seek me as I said to the Jews where I'm going, you cannot come. So now I say to you, a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another as I have loved you, that you also love one another. And of course, there's a discussion in the other Gospels where Jesus is saying um, to Peter, remember, after his resurrection, Do you love me? Yes, I love you. He's teaching a very, very important lesson just before his crucifixion and right after his resurrection. Very, very important. He goes on and states it very similarly. In chapter 14, just as was read for us by Vince earlier, chapter 14, verse 23, if anyone loves me, he will keep my word. Verse 24, he who does not love me does not keep my words. And then verse 31, that the world may know that I love the Father, and as the Father gave me commandment, so I do. What he is saying is that the epitome of keeping the commandments of God is to love one another. And that's why we have passages like Matthew chapter 22, verse 37. Remember the discussion between the lawyer and Jesus? And he's asked, what is the great commandment? And he says, it is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind. And the second is to love your neighbor as yourself. On these two hang the law and prophets. Jesus is summing up the greatest teaching of any who is going to follow him. So then he gives this parable. And mind you, when Jesus gives the parables, and I remember just recently stating this. um, I'm looking at Miss Carlotta, and I see Miss Lou here. We have a Thursday uh, morning Bible study um, at Brookdale. And we're mentioning how in parables, when Jesus gives the parables, he never Gives the answer to those who do not want to follow him doesn't do it in fact Jesus explicitly tells his disciples that he doesn't give them the answer But to his disciples He always gives them the mystery of the parable every time just as he does here Even on this last night as he gives them his parable. He explains what it is and that's basically what we have here Look at the roles that he gives unlike The Old Testament passages that I was speaking of earlier to begin this um, sermon, we see our Heavenly Father in the similar role, in this case, as a vine dresser. But Jesus is now the vine. Instead of Israel, it's Jesus. And in contrast of Israel's unfaithfulness as a vine that is withered away, judged, sent into captivity, here is Jesus, the vine, full of life. And providing freedom from sin, so to speak, by those who belong to him. And instead of being captive, you see victory, you see freedom. And now we see his disciples coming in. These disciples are noted as branches. But he refers to them very quickly and states this truth. That is this. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit is cast away or thrown away. Or as you get in verse 6 following, every branch in me is cut off and thrown into the fire and burned. He makes it very, very clear then that the whole purpose of this teaching and the whole thing that he wants them to get is that when I leave you, you're going to work. You're going to bear fruit. In fact, you're going to bear much fruit. That's the whole point. The whole point of us when we come together, when we worship our Lord... um, on Sundays, on Wednesdays, whenever we get together. We praise Him and glorify Him. But we go out from this venue here, this location, this gathering, this assembly. And we live life. And the question is, are we bearing fruit? It has been debated among the scholars as to what fruit was specifically intended by Jesus. And I can tell you without doubt... What ultimately is the fruit that is wanted by our Lord. That was given by Jesus when he was ready to ascend back into heaven after dying on the cross for our sins. And that is that we would have everlasting life. But the way that comes through disciples is by making disciples. Right? Jesus, after saying all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go, therefore, into all the world and make disciples. That is the end result of being Christians as we go into the world. Right? We, we live for the Lord. We love one another. But the fruit is that as we are doing so, we bring souls to our Lord who then can be grafted in as branches. The Apostle Paul talks about this in the book of Romans. These are things that God wants from us. He wants us to be bearing fruit case closed and when Christianity is nothing more than just going to a place where we sing some songs of praising to our God and and we walk away or we partake of the Lord's Supper and then we're, we're basically done but we just live our lives day to day without anything that resembles bearing fruit we miss the picture of Christianity we miss the import of loving souls And oftentimes, we forget this very simple truth. We justify it away. We pass the buck or whatever the situation is. Just as we looked in the last couple of weeks, you know, the harvest is white. We have a great opportunity to share the gospel with so many just right in our own communities. But oftentimes, we forget again this very simple truth. If we're going to bear fruit, Jesus gives us the answer in how or how that's going to look, if you will, what that looks like. And what that means is by abiding in him. And we'll see what that means real quick. I want you to look very closely at this parable from verses 4 through 7. Because, again, the import is bearing fruit. But what does that look like? And so in verses 4 through 7 of John chapter 15, he tells us how we bear fruit. And the only way, in fact, it is very exclusive in the way which we can bear fruit. John chapter 15, again, let me get back over here. He says this in verse 4. Abide in me and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. That's it. We cannot bear fruit unless we're abiding in Jesus Christ. And what abiding looks like is very clear. Verse 5, I'm the vine, you're the branches. He who abides in me bears much fruit. Verse 7, if you abide in me, my words abide in you. You will ask what you desire. It shall be done for you. In other words, God is giving you the means to bear fruit. So what does our lives look like? I can imagine what the disciples of Jesus, as they're listening to this parable... As they're trying to connect the dots, if you will, between this parable and then his explanation of the parable. Are we doing the same? Are, are we actually taking time to reflect on this mashal, if you will? To look at, you know, what is my life like? Last week as uh, we were picking our, our children up from camp, there was a young man came up to me. After his mom had come up to me. His mom said, my husband wanted me to, to make sure that I would speak to you when we were at camp and to tell you all about what went on when we were in West Samoa. And so then the son comes up to me and says, my dad said, before camp is over, I have to see you and tell you everything that went on in West Samoa. So I talked to the wife, Leanne is her name, husband's name is David. And... Then the son came. I think it's Jesse. Look at right that. Yes, Jesse came up to me, and then he was telling me of all that went on in Western Samoa. It's it's a real impoverished part of Samoa, not America, Samoa. And I think I believe twelve of the Samoans obeyed the gospel while they were there. It's just so overwhelmingly edifying that these people who didn't know anything about Jesus Christ were being taught the gospel. And I asked Jesse, I said, a rhetorical question, by the way. So how edified were you? I want to live there. And then one of Carly's friends, McCord, talked to him. I want to live there. Because there was such a great fulfillment. When you are bearing fruit for the Lord, there is nothing just more exciting than that. To see souls who do not have a relationship with God now having one through Jesus Christ. It's so edifying. I'm looking at Ben right now, Ben and Emily, just when we first moved here. When y'all had everyone in your homes and having Bible studies with everyone. And what, I think almost all but one had obeyed the gospel. I mean, just phenomenal. Great edification. And what he is saying here is that you are so blessed when you abide in me. And I provide for you everything so you can go ahead and bear more fruit. This is the joy that we have when we give ourselves to the work. This is why Jesus said he came into this world, and this is the very thing he wants for us as we walk in him. But I want you to notice what abiding looks like, specifically. And very interestingly, how he ties this in, how we sometimes apply this passage versus strictly to the context. Look at verses 9 following. As the Father loved me, I also have loved you. Abide in my love. All right, what does that mean? He says, if you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love. Okay, good. What are your commandments? He says this. Just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love, these things I have spoken to you, that my joy may remain in you, that your joy may be full, this is my commandment of all the things he could have said remember he could have said i want you to do this i want you to make sure it's this way and make sure it's done that way he says love one another as i have loved you i'm telling you somehow for whatever the reason is that whenever a passage like this is brought up it is scoffed at by some professing to be christians I can't get, I can't understand why. It's almost as if, well, you know, this love thing is really overemphasized. And if there's anyone who could be blamed of overemphasizing loving one another, it would have been Jesus. Because we're actually reading him speak. And him saying it time and again. And interestingly enough, and I remember... um, bringing this out in a bible class once before of all the disciples to bring this up it's john the apostle john one of the sons of thunder known to have anger issues who now is giving us this gospel saying love one another and all you have to do is just read through the gospel of john and then read his epistles first and second and third john particularly first john say keep my commandments love one another This is a new commandment. Love each other. What does that look like? Well, when you exercise love, you see what it looks like. We read passages like 1 Corinthians chapter 13. And we see passages of the fruit of the Spirit um, in Galatians 5. And we see the fruit born that is tied to the Holy Spirit, that is tied to this theme called love that's what he says over and over as the father loved me I have loved you abide in my love and this is the commandment for abiding in me love each other very 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 clear what he's saying in fact in verse 17 after he talks about this this concept of, of how love and joy are perfected in Christ he finishes up By stating in verse 17, these things I command you, love one another. He says it again. Very clear in verses 13 and 14 of this passage. Reading the words of Jesus again, he says, Greater love has no one than this, than to lay down one's life for his friends. You're my friend. That's what Jesus said. Practically, what does it look like for us today? If we're talking about being servants of the Lord, you can go ahead and switch that. If we're talking about following after Christ, loving one another, what does that look like that we lay down our lives? It looks like the epitome of the word itself. Isn't love a sacrifice for the well-being of someone else? That's what it is. So when it comes to a matter of how we deal with each other in in the body of Christ, it is through this kind of sacrificial love. When it comes to husband-wife relationships, where husbands are told to love their wives, what does it look like? Like this kind of sacrifice you lay down your life. When it comes to how you view people in the world, do you selfishly look at them with disgust? Sinners? Or as precious souls who need the love that God has given through his son, right? We quote that passage in John chapter 3, verse 16, God so loved the world, he gave us his son. Do we really look at people in the world that way? Because that will determine whether you're going to bear fruit and bring souls into the kingdom. Do you have that kind of love, brethren? See, that's a divine kind of love. That's the kind of love that we pray for, we ask for. And God is willing to give it. And to give it abundantly. And he's willing to prune our lives so that we reflect this commandment. And that means we shed that selfishness out of our lives. So we can be selfless. That was the last thing that he gave his disciples. Such a simple truth that he was telling them. So easily forgotten in the 21st century. In the name of Christianity. So here's the thing. As disciples of Christ, if we're wanting to bear much fruit that is well-pleasing to God, where we prove ourselves disciples, verse 8 of John 15? Then you need to allow yourself to be pruned by the vine dresser, by God. Be well-nourished in Jesus Christ. Well-nourished in His Word so that you can keep His commandments. And the one in which all of this hangs is the fact that we would love one another just as he loved us and as we love him. We have a lot of visitors, and I don't know what your situations are. I'll tell you this. You're here for a reason. I don't know what the reason may be. Maybe you think it's because you're with your family, you're with friends, you're passing through town, you saw a sign, the marquee sign. Whatever the reasons are, I'm glad you're here. But not knowing your situation, it's possible that you may be walking in darkness right now. You may already believe that Jesus is the Christ, but you may not have given Him your life. And so I'm begging you, not knowing your situation, (coughs) succumb to Him. Give up your way. Die to yourself. In fact, Jesus likens it unto you reflecting His crucifixion when you die. And that's why we have this watery grave of baptism before us because the scriptures teach us to go and make disciples and he who believes and is baptized will be saved. And many other passages, and it's not about just that commandment, it's about this relationship that you're having with him on his terms, not yours. Him justifying you, not you justifying your salvation or lack thereof. But he's giving this commandment out of love for your soul. He wants you to be joined with him. And so if you believe that Jesus is the Christ and willing to confess him as such, in other words, you're willing to live a life that says Jesus is Lord and Savior over my life, you start by dying with him that you may raise to walk in newness of life. And that's where that watery grape of baptism comes in. And if you've done that, but you've not been walking worthy of that calling, by all means, every week, every single week, you have an opportunity as as we give here. We'll be happy to pray with you or for you. Take that to heart. Why don't you do that right now? So together, we stand in sing.